This message is brought to you by DoNotAge.org, the longevity research organisation that's on a mission to extend health span for as many people as possible via products that actually work. Start your journey today at DoNotAge.org and use code LAMA for a 10% discount. That's L-L-A-M-A. My phone is switched onto silent mode and I leave it in a different room. I leave it in a different room and I don't pick it up. And I resent that wasting of time that just gets sucked into it. I really do. Hello again. Welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. This is the latest in our series where Peter Allison and I try to figure out what it takes to enjoy another 50 years or thereabouts. It is 50 years since we first went to school together. 50 years this month. In fact, Peter spent much of his life working as a professor of geology in the UK while I pursued a career in broadcast journalism with the past almost three decades spent here in the United States. We're both now at that and I'm beginning to think quite complicated decade when careers end or at least wind down, retirement beckons and we're both trying to figure out the best ways to optimise our health as we move forward with our lives. Peter, that pretty much sums it up? It certainly does, doesn't it? That was very sobering, actually. It just sort of like left me go, oh, a bit, bit speechless there, Peter. I didn't mean to have that effect at the beginning of this conversation. <laughs> but if it's sobering, so be it. <laughs> yeah. So the last time we spoke, you, it hasn't been for a few weeks, you were struggling to yeah. get back into your gym routine after a period of travelling. And you've just been away again, so I'm just curious... Where you are at the moment? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me this, Peter. You know what? So I got back. I was on. I was in Malta on a diving course last week, and when I got back, I thought I'm going to be talking to Peter, and he's going to ask me if I've gone to the gym. So I, as I was, as I woke up, and I was having my wife and I have a long habit of having breakfast in bed together. So it started, and this started out when the kids were little, and it was just about the only time we could have some peace and quiet. So now we still continue this. One of us takes turns, makes breakfast. And it was like this thing, you're lying in bed, eating your breakfast. Do I go to the gym? And then I'm thinking, no, Peter's going to ask me if I've been to the gym. So I better be able to say yes. So I have been back to the gym. Haven't started on the strength stuff yet, but I've been getting the cardio back to where I think it should be. So I'm doing the same level of cardio that I was doing uh, two months ago. So yeah, that that's just about fine. Got to get back to the strength stuff now. I'm glad I can play a role of virtual distant inspiration then in some way if I'm yes. doing that or maybe it's peer pressure I don't know what it is but I raise that subject in part because yeah I was curious but also the first uh, subject that we're going to talk about today and uh, just a reminder in this podcast what we do is look at the latest science the latest academic papers or indeed other issues that have maybe cropped up in the news and there's going to be a couple of today that are of interest and uh, certainly attracted my attention as, as we think about these age-related issues exercise related issues as we get older. And actually, very recently, this is a, a study in obesity journal. It was published on the 4th of September, and it is about the best time window during the day to exercise, specifically looking at the relationship between exercise and weight loss. And this study isolated the hours of 7am to 9am as being most associated with 
with having a lower waist circumference and body mass, uh, at least lower than those people who worked out during the midday or mm. evening time. And this is a, an epidemiological study yeah. of some 5,000 people from 2003 to 2006. This is the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, data that is often used, isn't it, Peter, yeah. in terms of these kinds of studies. The data already exists, but it's being re-examined with this particular issue in mind. I mean, first of all, when I looked at this, I sort of like cheered, right? Because I'm a sort of like, I'm an early morning exerciser. So I thought that's that's good. But I mean, because it's an epidemiological study, it's difficult to identify cause and effect, isn't it? Exactly. So, I mean, that's always the problem with these things. And it could be that there are people who are exercising in the afternoon who have other habits or who are doing other things. Maybe they're not restricting their calories or whatever. So it's difficult to try and pin down. I mean, the, and the authors themselves, so that they cannot pin down the cause and, cause and effect of this. One of the things they suggest is that it may be that people who are exercising in the morning because they're starting their exercise in the morning, they're in calorie deficit when they start, so they're burning weight, so they're burning calories off. That's one of the suggestions that might be the case. But otherwise, it's a sort of a it's interesting, but the absence of a cause and effect is, or the the, the mere hinting of what the cause and effect is here, is. I hesitate to say the word frustrating. It's sort of, but um, yeah, I, I agree with you. And just to elaborate on on that a little bit, uh, essentially, what happened was that they had their BMI, their waist circumference, hmm. measured before the activity tracking period, but not afterwards. So that falls into exactly what you're saying. That they, yeah. yes, they fell into this category, but there's certainly no cause and effect information there that we can glean from this. The only conclusion is that it seems as if those people that were successful in losing weight fell into that category. But the reasons, and perhaps it is the reasons yeah. that are, are of most interest to us, those reasons are, yeah. are not clear. Yeah. I mean, are you, are you a morning exerciser or are you an, an evening person? Definitely morning. And I think this is why it's still interesting. I had exactly the same reaction as you. I thought, great, at least I'm in that category. I prefer, actually, this goes for everything in, that I do in life, whether it is work or exercise. I prefer to do everything in the morning, if I could choose the best time of day to, to go to work and do the, the kind of work that I do, I would say morning. And uh, I've actually got a long history of doing that when I was in the UK. I used to work mostly in the mornings, working on breakfast programs. Mm. I feel that's the time I'm at my best, both physically and mentally. But yes, now that I've got a little bit more freedom in terms of choosing the hours that I do things, exercise is the thing that I do first. I mean, one reason the dogs demand it, that I get out there and do some exercise. Mm. But I also go to the gym. Usually it's a regular nine o'clock in the morning that I do the, the gym and then tend to work later in the day. I feel better. I feel as if I and I think there is something in just getting it done just getting it out of the way yeah. for the day. Like you, it isn't necessarily top of my list of things that I want to do that day, but I know I've got to. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, were you always a, Norman, a, a, a morning person? You know, going back uh, 50 years ago, were you a morning person? Then? That's interesting because I don't think I was, certainly as a student, I wasn't a morning person. And I think as a, you go back even further, as a teenager, when we first knew each other, getting up in the morning to go to school was tough, didn't like it, yeah. and would sleep in for a long, an embarrassingly long time on a weekend because mm. I could. So I definitely wasn't a morning person then, but I think then you've got the complication of 
of growing factors. The, the body is still growing. You need more sleep at that time of, yeah. of your life. But then as I progressed into certainly 20s and 30s, I definitely became a morning person. And what I'm not certain of is whether that was just foisted on me because of my work schedule at the time. And then it grew on me as a lifestyle. And it's something that I haven't mm. kicked ever since. But there is interestingly, uh, we're not going to delve into it today, but there is interesting science about this, that there is mm. some have identified a genetic effect here that uh, some of us are predetermined. Yes pre-wired, if you like, to be morning people or to be night owls to want to stay up till three o'clock in the morning? I mean, because I'm aware of some of this genetic work as well. And I was, I mean, and the reason I asked that question is because I, I would mirror exactly what you've just said, is I would have said that when I was in late teens, early 20s, when I was a, an undergraduate student, I was definitely a nighttime person. I would have been happily staying up till one or two o'clock listening to music, you know, and really wanting to lie in bed, getting into lectures, you know, you know what it was like. Skin of your teeth. Yeah, by the skin of your teeth and, and then just sort of like, you know, you're just trying to get your brain in gear. And yet now, nowadays, I, this morning I woke up at five o'clock. Um, I laid in bed for about 5.30 and then went downstairs and made my wife a cup of tea because I knew she was going to wake up in a few minutes time. And I just had a cup of tea ready for her when she woke up. So it was... Now I'm just the exact opposite of that, and so I, and I'm and I'm aware of this genetic stuff, but I'm thinking, well, I've just transitioned from one to the other, and I, like you, I've, I mean, you had the, the radio work. I used to get up to commute into London, and I was just so used to being on that seven o'clock train into London. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And the, it's interesting you say about the five o'clock in the morning waking up. That's about when I wake up now, and I now wake up. It's still dark outside. Look at the clock, hoping, really hoping that it's 5, 5.30 or even on a really good day, 6 a.m., that I've slept for that long. And usually it isn't. It's quite oftentimes it's 4.30, yeah. it's 4.45. And I'm thinking, well, I really mm -hmm. should sleep a little bit longer, but I can't. And I'm, I'm all of a sudden wide awake at that time of day. Well, you know, we've talked about walking before. You know, the, the last time I think the last time we chatted, we were talking about walking. And I walked to the gym, and I so I walked to the gym. I did my cardio, and I've been walking back. So this morning, I was walking to the gym, and in my head, I'm just so it's you know late summer. But actually, as I was walking to the gym, it was eight degrees outside. So I was walking to the gym because it's so early, yes, eight degrees. So there I was in, in my shorts walking to the gym. Fortunately, I had a sweatshirt on, but I was cold. I could feel the cold all the way through, all the way to the, till I got to the gym. But, you know, in part, I just feel that sometimes feeling cold is good for you. And because it just, I, I'm sure it's a stimulus to the circulation system, just being cold. And so I just feel that, you know, it's not going to kill me i'm just going to feel a bit cold on the walk to the gym and then i get to the gym and i'm uh, and i'm sweating like everybody else so it's no big deal yeah i mean on the walk back by it, it probably put four degrees on by the time i was walking back i'm the same and of course living here in california i relish those days <laughs> when i can get and we're actually just moving in the weather this year has been weird in california mm. it's only still september normally this is one of the hottest months of the year here, the, the hotter months come towards the end of the year, but it chilly mornings. And uh, as you know, we had some torrential rain yeah. 
very unusual the tropical storm that we had a, a few weeks ago very unusual for here but even earlier in the summer we've had much more rain this year and it, it's almost feeling like a british season so i'm i'm getting up in oh, the wow. morning at 5 or 6 a.m. and opening the door let the dogs out and having to close it quickly because it's so cold wow. it's weird but i'm actually quite enjoying it yeah it's an el nino year it isn't is it? yes yeah so that means potentially more rain this winter we've lived through lots of el ninos here in california uh, not Particularly recently, I know when I first moved here in the mid-90s, I think 97 was a really, really wet year. Again, I quite like that. We need, everyone knows, we need, well, we probably don't need the rain now. The reservoirs are, mm. are really full at, at the moment. But it, it's nice to get back to, you know, everything's beautifully green, which is unusual at this time of year. So it's, it's good for the oh, countryside. Yeah. Let's move on, Peter. The issue of loneliness is something that we've talked about in this podcast, not you and I, but with other guests over the last few months, being a really serious problem that is being more acknowledged these days, I think, than ever before. Mm. And in a report earlier this year, the US Surgeon General linked it to a number of conditions, cardiovascular disease, dementia, stroke, depression, anxiety, mm. premature death, saying that the mortality rate was similar to that caused by smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. Gosh. Now, that study's yeah. been out for a while. I then also spotted an article in the Los Angeles Times that linked this issue to societal changes and especially our use of of technology. And they focused in the fact, mm. the fact that we have self-checkouts now at supermarkets. And for those, mm. honestly, something I had never really thought about, but for those people who are lonely, sometimes just getting out and going to a supermarket, doing their daily shopping and talking to someone there at the checkout is at least an opportunity to speak to someone. But this mm. tendency to push everyone towards the, the self-checkouts is potentially making things worse. There are just so many tragically sad ironies in this, aren't there, really? Um, we live in a world where everyone is... There is so much hyper-connection in the world that we live in with phone and email and social media. And yet but it's so easy for that to degrade the quality of human contact that we have. And it's so easy to get pulled into it. I mean, I can put my hand up and I can say, you know, I can think of times when I've been sitting with friends and family members and then you absentmindedly pick up your phone. Maybe you pick up your phone to do something sensible. And then, you know, I, I shouldn't, you know, not I shouldn't use the word sensible, but you pick your phone up to do something which needs to be done. And then you flick through and then you just suddenly find yourself just being hooked in and wasting time. And it essentially degrades the quality of interpersonal connection that you have when you're present with other human beings, I think. I mean, and this is something that it talks about in that Surgeon General report. It talks about that degradation of the quality of human contact. And uh, it made me just think about the, the comparison between that and, I mean, the other problems which are which are impacting upon us all, which are the temptation for obesity. Everywhere it's... it's we, Farming technology has been so developed that we're able to produce so much food. We've got starvation in part of the planet. We've got readily available food. We've become obese. We've got labor-saving devices. We don't exercise as much. We've got devices which allow us to have more social connection, but then that degrades the quality of social connection that we have. I mean, oh, there, there, I mean there are so many obvious and tragic ironies, and it's so easy to be pulled into all of them. I mean, 
Do you find a temptation with that yourself, with social media and things? Oh, totally. I think it's a, a huge, huge issue. That I, mean, I tend to think of this issue, the umbrella issue of loneliness, almost as the, a silent killer and all the repercussions that mm. you've just outlined. That it's there, it's around us, but we can't see it, mm. really. It's something that we can't, it's difficult to pinpoint. And I think that's why it's been overlooked for so long. I think clearly technology, social media has a a big role to play. I don't think it's entirely to blame. I think the way the society is changing is yeah. is potentially to blame as well. But in terms of using the phone, as you say, whether it's uh, looking down to try to do something whether it's sensible or necessary or work-related, whatever, <clears throat> there are so many distractions in that little piece of technology that are clearly bad for us, that are a waste of time. And I can, I can see for the... Oh, I was going to ask you... Have you ever been in a state during your life where you felt lonely, where you felt seriously yes. lonely? And how did you cope with it? And I'm guessing maybe it was in a different age and therefore some of these issues didn't apply. How did I cope with it? I think I needed to develop structure in my day because I think if you've got, for me, if I experience loneliness, then loneliness can lead to I mean, I wouldn't use the word despair, but it's almost a, 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 an associated level of apathy. And to combat that, I need lists. I mean, I, I, I mean, I need a list. So I make lists of things that I need to do, lists of things I need to do in the day, the week, the month. And I don't do everything that's on the list, but if I have the list, and I, it's one of the things I really like going to the gym in the morning, because by the time I get back, I feel as I've achieved something in the day. Something's been achieved. I've started the day with an achievement and then I can go on and as I tick myself through the list, I've created more achievements. It might seem that that might, might seem strange as a way of combating loneliness, but I think is where it does is it sort of gives me a sort of a, a sense of discipline that then I can go out and interact with people. Maybe I'm not phrasing that very well. No, much. I get what you're saying. And actually, you just you triggered another thought, going back to the previous story that we are talking about. Just going to the gym, you're probably the same as me. I always leave feeling much better than when I arrived, just, just walking mm. through the door. Yeah. Knowing, not really dreading it, actually quite looking forward to it, but you know you've got a routine to go through. You've got certain weights to lift. You know it's going to be tough at certain times. And it is, to some extent, something to be got through. But you walk out, exhilarated, you, you've done it, and... And in my mm. case, kind of ready for the day. But there's more than that. There is the yeah. social interaction that you have by being at a gym. And especially if you're working alongside, working out alongside other people or working with a, a coach. And there's a there's a conversation there, very often not talking about what you're doing, but talking about the world or something that's going on in, in their lives. And there's the social interaction intermingled with the, the physical benefits of, of being at the gym. And we'll continue this conversation in just a moment. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. 
Yeah, and I, I again, I was just thinking about combating loneliness, and I mean, you can really, you really can. You today, of course, we can. It's so easy to pick the phone up and have a video call and talk to somebody where you can actually see some sort of social media and this accessibility that we get through electronic devices can help combat, can help combat loneliness. Because while I was away in Malta, I was in a hotel room. It was very hot outside. I'd be doing my diving. I'd come back. I would be dehydrated because of the I had to do this course in a dry suit, Peter. So I had a, a dry suit on. I was putting a dry suit on in 30 degrees. And of course... You may remember that I'm a sweaty northerner, <laughs> so I just don't really – I cope with the cold really well. I don't cope with the heat so well. Right. Um, and so I was just getting back exhausted, um, and I just go out for a meal. And I probably wasn't – apart from people on the course, I probably wasn't talking to any other human being more than 40, 50 words a day. But, you know, I could talk to my wife, right? So you can use electronic devices from that. And yet those electronic devices can also – degrade things as well they can be both useful and they can be a negative do you do anything to combat that yourself if you think about the degrading effect that electronic devices can have and so uh, on yeah well i I suppose what i and i guess what a lot of people try to do is simply just put it down and to to use it for the beneficial reasons that it is designed for Mm. and try to have the discipline which is Admittedly difficult, but the discipline not to be distracted by the the waste of time aspects of, yes, of social media and, and of technology. There's a new iPhone upgrade. Actually, another going back to the gym, I was talking to someone a few decades younger than me, asking me, seeing, seeing me with the iPhone, have you done the latest upgrade to the latest operating system, showing me on their phone because they'd done it the very instant that they were able to do it, all excited about the new functions. And I'm looking at it, kind of dreading getting my head around <laughs> the fact that it's all going to look different. I'm going to have to learn a lot of new stuff just to achieve the same kind of things. This person was was very excited about it. Look, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this, and most of which I didn't need to do anyway. I think there's clearly a, a generational issue there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think maybe in terms of what to do about it, maybe those of us who are of a generation that knows what it was like not to have them at all, maybe ought to try to better find some balance in our lives that that mirrors how it used to be. And I don't want to be like an old curmudgeon yeah. defying the fact that we've got this technology. I think a lot of it is good. But I think perspective is is what we need to try to achieve. Yeah, which brings us on to the, almost brings us on to the, to, to the last thing we're going to discuss. But I was thinking that what I feel so – I've noticed so often – I'll be sitting down um, and I'll be maybe watching a movie and there'll be a ping. I'm expecting an email and it might be, I'll just quickly have a look at this and say yes, no, or whatever, or a text message. And then just find yourself flicking. Mm. So now what I do is I, my phone is switched onto silent mode and I leave it in a different room. I leave it in a different room and I don't pick it up. And I resent that wasting of time that just gets sucked into it. I really do. And I, 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 you saw me laugh when I was uh, talk, when you were talking about uh, your dread at the new operating <laughs> system, and I was thinking, you know, forty years. Well, when did when I've been using um, the particular type of computer I've been using, I've been using it since the nineteen eighties. That model of computer, yeah. and I remember the operating systems used to come out, and I would, I would be that person that would hungrily download everything and install it and play with it. 
And now I'm just that, ugh, really, do I have to? I suppose so. You know, and I, I so when you were talking about that, I was just laughing because that that, that's just exactly me. Yeah. And, and something else you just said that just triggered a thought in my mind. And, and this is directly related to my conversations with you when we're not doing this right now. We communicate using a certain social media <laughs> chat platform, of which there are many. And I don't know whether you're like me, but I have friends, work colleagues especially, there are a number of different platforms we can use to instant message. And everyone uses, or it seems like everyone uses something different. So I know in my mind that if I'm waiting for a communication from from you or from yeah. someone different, that you're not going to communicate with me on platform A, but this other person probably will. And so you're flicking between and making sure that you have notifications on your front page for all these different ways to communicate, which ultimately just fuels my frustration with the whole thing that uh, yeah the olden days i hate to use that expression but the olden days there was a phone and then there was then there was email but there were limited numbers of ways of which we could actually get in touch with each other and we all kind of used to use the same thing because there weren't many i i remember some in the early days when i was going to the united states to give talks or to do field work or whatever and i remember going to the airport and it was a time before smartphones before i even had a mobile phone if i think going back to the late 1980s early 1990s and i knew that once i jumped on the bus that took me to heathrow Air- airport at that point nobody on planet earth well could contact me except I suppose the police could, but nobody was going to contact me. And I was just uncontactable for the next 18 or 20 hours until it took, until I got to a hotel. I used to love that, that feeling of being not contactable. My goodness, I used to love it. And of course, I've never had that since ever since I got a mobile phone, really. Yeah. And I, I still refuse to get the Wi-Fi on planes. I don't want to be in touch, and especially for domestic flights, it's not still not quite as easy on all international flights. But um, I even on domestic flights, I just, as a matter of principle, don't pay for the Wi-Fi. I think I can go for a few hours without being, and as you say, quite enjoy that isolation. Yeah, I mean, I, I, in diving, you know, there are people who are marketing devices that will allow you to communicate with people and talk to them underwater. And I'm just sitting there thinking, why? Why? I want silence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's um, let's move on then, because I think this, this final story, as you just indicated, is kind of relevant to this. And the, the headline is mm. moderation in everything. We can just apply that to our mobile phones. Yes. Last month, the UK's oldest man celebrated his 111th birthday, John Tinniswood. He lives in a care home in Southport. And he took the opportunity of his birthday, when asked, to share some of his rules to live by with healthy ageing in mind. And they include exercising the mind and moderation in all things, which really struck a chord with me. I probably mentioned it to you before, Peter, that I think through all the conversations that I've had with some of the world's experts on longevity, science, whether it's diet, exercise, you name it, it all often seems to come down to moderation in everything. Exercise, diet, work, play, mm. drinking. And, yeah. you know, to describe it as a a newfangled longevity hack, moderation might be 
pushing it a little bit, but I, I would actually quite like to pursue that and see if I could get people to... It, it's generally met with kind of a glazed look. That's not very exciting, moderation. But I really genuinely believe that there's a, a lot in it. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and I think there's... Well, there's been a number of science stories and really interesting stories about diet, hasn't there? About and the role of various foodstuffs. There was a lovely um, BBC article some years back, which was illustrating statistics and looking at the detrimental impact of, I, I believe it was bacon and the relationship between bacon and colon cancer, which you know everyone knows about cured meats and things and what and what sort of negative health impact it was and it was just, the, the BBC article was just about how you communicate the statistics which was a really nice article and really what it boiled down to it was if you eat bacon in moderation it's sort of fine really but if, you know if you eat bacon every day of your life well you probably wouldn't want to eat it every day of your life mm, right mm. Then you know, then you then you have a, a an increased risk of various cancers. But if you eat it once every couple of weeks, it doesn't really make a lot of difference. Yeah, just like you probably wouldn't I, want to eat tofu or red beans. Yes, supposedly healthy foods. You wouldn't want to eat those with every meal every day of your life. Yeah, except my wife, for example, she has bacon because she has a bit of arthritis. So if she has bacon, her knuckles. She gets arthritis in her hands and she gets pain almost within an hour and a half. So I, even though I do like bacon, I know if I cook it, my wife will say, no, I won't eat it. But as soon as I cook it, she'll want to have it. So hmm. by and large, I just don't cook it in the house, really, because otherwise it's just an unfair temptation on her. Yeah, exactly. And clearly, notwithstanding the fact that there's a lot of very good, very beneficial research behind different food types that we can't ignore. And as as you've just implied, one diet isn't right for everyone. So you can't just mm. blandly say moderation in, in everything is going to suit everyone because it probably isn't. And that there are certain food groups that I'm, yeah. you know, there are certain things that I no, I can't eat later in the day because it, I, I get a bad night's sleep. And that, that's mostly dairy yeah. foods. But I think as a, as a general principle in our lives, yeah. moderation is, is probably quite a good word. Yeah, I, I, I think that just, I naturally feel as though that seems to be like a really good idea. Yeah. And with that in mind, I guess we've talked for 30 minutes, moderation and everything. Let's call it a day, Peter. It's been another yeah. really good conversation. Really enjoyed this one. We will talk soon. Look forward to it, Peter. Llama Podcast is a Healthspan Media production. We'll be back with another conversation very soon. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. This podcast is for informational, educational and entertainment purposes only. We do not offer medical advice. If you have health concerns of any kind or you are considering adopting a new diet or exercise regime, you should first consult your doctor. FlexBeam is a portable red light therapy device that's now being used by leading athletes, including the Norwegian tennis player Kasper Rud. Whenever you put the FlexBeam on, you feel it starts to work right away. I need something that can help repair all the fibres that I have broken in the surfs. The infrared lights penetrate your skin and makes the muscle tissue recover faster. FlexBeam, I keep it with me all the time. 
Recharge Health is offering Llama Podcast listeners an $80 discount on the purchase of a FlexBeam device. Go to the website recharge.health and use the code LLAMA at checkout. That's L-L-A-M-A. You'll also find the link in the show notes for this episode.